We are here to talk about the movie Reign of Fire, 2002 post-apocalyptic dragon-based science fiction disaster film. Post-apocalyptic, but pre-meconnaissance? Pre-meconnaissance. As you alluded to, it stars Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale, as as, uh, as well as Gerard Butler, way before the meconnaissance, uh, way before Butler and Bale became household megawatt celebrities. Um, it was directed by Rob Bowman, which you've probably not heard of much he's done. He's actually a prolific TV director, and you mm-hmm. have definitely heard his stuff. He's worked on a lot of X-Files. He did, like, 13 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, he's still working today on, like, the drama Castle. Um, this and Electra back-to-back, <laughs> seemed like it killed his career. I'm not sure it's, it's his, his big fault. screen career. Uh, this movie's credited with five different screenplay writers. I think that's the problem that this movie s- suffers from. Uh, Jim, what did you think? What did you think of this film? So I have this vision in my head, and I think it's it's one that's pretty shared across the board The Reign of Fire is a joke of a movie, Mm -hmm. that it's bad in basically all respects. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went over to Rotten Tomatoes. I looked at the score. It's like 41% fresh, which is to say not fresh at all. No, I'm fresh. I have a question, though, after watching this movie for you. Okay. Is this actually a bad movie? It's not a bad movie. I think it's 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 actually very close to becoming a cult classic. I think like I I, I we watched this kind of on back to back with Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. and this is definitely a more serious Army of Darkness, but it's a better yeah. Army of Darkness too. Um, but and and also, are we sure this movie doesn't know that it's ridiculous? I mean, they really lean in at some of these with some of these performances and situations. Yeah, I mean, the shocking thing to me is. As I was watching it, I never really got the hint of this is completely terrible. I, mm-hmm. I kept seeing all of these really good actors mm-hmm. putting in, you know, performances that don't ask a whole lot of them, but no. also performances that are respectable right. and solid. I yeah. kept seeing CG that for 2002 seems like it held I, up I actually this, really well. I think this movie holds up because a lot of it's like it, the, the dragons are CG for sure, but a lot of it is like on location work, uh, practical yeah. effects. I kept I kept seeing story beats that were like, you know, borderline Armageddon level yeah. post-apocalypse kind yeah. of stuff, but serviceable. Uh-huh. I, I kept seeing jokes that mostly landed with uh-huh. like Star Wars scenes. And and I kept thinking to myself, this is actually not terrible. Yeah, no. And it's a it's a hoot. Like some of the some of the so with these film fests, what I've realized is some of them are more entertaining as live watches. Some of them are more perhaps as entertaining as podcasts. I definitely think this lives and breathes by its live watch. If you're a club member, mm. I think you should check it out because it's just a really fun movie to watch. Like one of my very first riff tracks I ever saw was this movie. Uh, and it's it's a it's a really good time. Yeah. Uh before we go much further, I just want to, like, in, in case you have not seen this movie, and it's a good chance you haven't, uh, the premise is in the early 2000s, they were delving deeply in some sort of underground tunneling project in London. I'm not sure why, if this was, like, channel-related or what. Uh, but they dug too greedily and too deep, and like the uh, the dwarves before them, uh, awoken a, a ancient chamber full of dragons. Mm-hmm. That burst forth and conquer the the world. Uh, no nuclear bomb can stop them. Uh, they quickly grow geometrically. They hunt humans to near extinction. 
And we flash forward 20 years in the future where the little boy of the mother who is overseeing the construction project that originally freed the dragon has grown up and has commandeered some castle in the moors. And he is has a small group of humanity that's trying to re- like wait out the dragons and rebuild civilization. Uh, then some American dragon hunters led by the irrepressible Matthew McConaughey enter their life. And their cautious strategy of waiting the dragons out and eking out a meager uh, existence is turned upside down. And several CGI-based set pieces are, are executed until the end of the movie. And there you go. <laughs> and again, the crimes of this movie are its world building is lazy mm-hmm. and surface level. And, and that's really it. And And I think that's probably because they couldn't, I don't. How in the world do you have five scriptwriters? Yeah, uh, two credited for story, whatever the fuck that means. Right, and then three credited two, for screenplay. Two, two credited for bong hits to be like, <laughs> what if instead of nukes it was like dragons in the world? <laughs> right, and then three to kind of like polish that into some kind of shape that you can shoot. But like, if you had a really good screenwriter, that I mean, the the concept is a little bit silly, but it's solid and. Mm-hmm. I was really in love with some of the stuff they did, like their their little like cloaked gardens and their walk, like like all of their like combat is based on keeping things cool and wet and not burning. And yeah. they use these like big elaborate tanker tanks. And I would argue they need to be maybe shoveling a little more ash out of the immediate vicinity. Sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I actually went through as I was watching this a second time, and I said. Okay, what systems do they have in place to right. actually survive this onslaught of dragons? Right. And it turns out they actually have quite a few systems yes. in place. Yeah. Uh, and if it weren't for some really dumb characters yes. at the beginning, well, a dumb character, yes. uh, then a lot of this could have been avoided. Uh, although I guess in the end they don't really need to avoid it because they might have won. And that's where I'm saying like the ten- that that's the big problem is the tension in this movie all comes from essentially st- either stupid plot building like oh there's only one male dragon in a whole fucking world and if you can kill that guy yeah. the dragons are fucked. Like this is like the biological equivalent of a, a Death Star reactor that that can be hit with a photon torpedo. <laughs> oh, dude, I went to TV Tropes uh-huh. to look up this movie. Yeah, it has the it's longest the list of tropes it? that I've ever seen. Um, which is impressive for a, like a ninety minute movie. Yeah, uh, and then the other thing is it, the other plot drama is is generated by humans being stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if they just came up with a smart way to. Uh, execute like the first dragon raid where you just didn't hate all of the characters involved and the fact that these people were allowed to live like I, the movie would be at least a whole star better for me if Matthew McConaughey had reluctantly but inevitably executed these people instead <laughs> of like oh I don't know they could have been right maybe we should I don't know um, I-, I think they got a little too cute with their ideas for fighting dragons as well like oh, yeah. these these skydivers with nets t- come across as completely ridiculous to yes. me uh so yeah maybe they get a little too cute there but i yeah. don't know i mean they they tried like they went and they hired the best actors they could find yeah yeah uh christian bale is awesome in although this like movie, i said I think. none of these you got to keep in mind none of these actors were where they are right now right. like it seems like a big catch but in 2002 land or when was this 2002 2006 2002 land matthew mcconaughey is a washed up you know stoner actor and these other two guys are weird dudes with with thick accents Mm -hmm. that 
You know, has Gerard Butler been in anything? I mean, I mean uh, Christian yeah, Bale McConaughey, had a mo- he was doing like romantic comedies and and sports movies with Al Pacino and like in, two, he, in, he was in this there. era, really? I, okay. I, I can't remember exactly when those movies all came out. Bale did American Psycho, I think, yeah. the year or two before this. So it's not like he was unheard of, but he mm-hmm. again he hadn't he hadn't been Batman yet. He hadn't been John Connor. So um, so I think they both did a really good thing in casting those actors, but I also think they made a huge mistake in Matthew McConaughey's character. Uh, it, l- tell me why Matthew McConaughey is leading a gang of soldiers who are all dressed in military gear, and then he's got this fucking sleeveless bomber jacket with a neckerchief uh, and a huge cigar six inches into his mouth. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck is that? This movie would be 10% better if you simply put him in a real jacket. Yeah, like a real military outfit. Right. Um, like all like of his all other, other people guys. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> I don't know. Like this is I think this is costume design for people that can look at military outfits and distress and distort them but don't understand any of the purpose of what <laughs> they do. Like uh-huh. guys wear handkerchiefs like that to catch hot shells that are ejected from like burning your neck. Mm-hmm. Uh it's nonsense if your jacket is like zipped down to your navel and doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> right. But like, yeah, otherwise I guess it makes him look like a kind of, uh, you know, a, 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 some, some kind of special forces fighter. That's, that's, I mean, it makes him keeps, look like something out of Mad Max. Right. That, and that's the thing is like, he keeps very high standards for the rest of his men. None of them mm-hmm. look like ragtag dragon fighters. They still look like members of a proud military unit. And he's yeah. just, you know, way out of regulation with his dress and, and grooming and cigar chomping. So, uh, so people might be wondering. I mean, I don't think anyone wonders why we threw this into the super serious film fest fantasy. Yeah, dragons. he's got dragons, but a surprising bonus also was one of the very first acting credits for one Jack Gleason. Yeah, there's a teeny tiny baby <laughs> Joffrey Baratheon in this film. Uh, five was like about six years before he reunited with Bale and Batman Begins. Four years before that. Oh, right. Yeah, it's amazing how recognizable he is, even at what must be like six years old, five my, years maybe old, maybe even like, like four or five. Like, he's so young. He, it's those eyes, man. Yeah, and the the pointy chin. Like yeah, he's yeah. got all of the Gleason features right there. Yeah, he just got bigger. Like there, uh-huh. like the, he he came fully formed with King Joffrey face. So that's that's good or bad. I hope he gets work after Joffrey. I don't think I, I the last I heard is that he doesn't really want to okay. be an actor. He's okay, like, that's fine. And he's got a ton of money and a lot. But I don't know. Maybe that's also like it. It seemed like it was also hard on him to be a teenager and to be that like viscerally hated by people. Yeah. Um. So like maybe he just like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go get a university degree and, um, you know, maybe maybe think about it later on. But uh, so, yeah, there's a there's a solid Game of Thrones connection right there. Mm hmm. Um, I, so again, this movie is notable for me for how close to greatness it could have been. If they, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that they could have done to figure out how to kill the dragons. That wasn't like a, just a massive biological weakness that they have um mm, with the the magic hour which can we talk about and how they didn't even do like that's that there's where the six screenwriters come in because some dude came up with the, the the magic hour but they doesn't really come into play at the climax of the movie i don't think 
It doesn't really seem like it. There's one scene where Christian Bale is fighting the dragon at the grand climax, mm-hmm. and he's kind of able to roll behind a pillar or something and get out of the fire. And I, mm-hmm. I want to attribute that to the poor vision that the dragons have during the magic hour, but I honestly can't. But we see a dragon vision, and like, if anything, like it's a little distorted. But like, yeah. the humans are outlined in like this flaming gold. So. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm pretty sure you could spray it's fire. It's like the, the Terminator's targeting computers, right? Yeah. <laughs> like or RoboCop or something. Yeah, and I'm not nit- like. There's a couple other things that like I the, the fact there's just a couple lazy things. The dragons eat ash. That's so stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, and also it's well, not I, even. I like it because th- this is like a supremely evolved life form, right? Mm. Like a life form that can essentially make its own food is pretty impressive to me as far as evolution goes. Okay. Because it's got the tools to create ash, which it then eats, and then it hibernates when there's no more ash to eat. I guess I just feel like scientifically, ash is the lowest potential energy <laughs> thing that sure. you can have. Like every like ash is a result of what you do when you burn all the energy out of something yeah. and just leave a pile of carbon shit behind. You know, like mm-hmm. it's like if the uh, dragons ate water and yeah. their superpower was to dehydrate everything. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, I, but I don't. I, I can't come up with something right now that would have been better. But um, yeah. and and I think the other way is that where they kind of like leave everything vague and like, well, the the great nations tried their biggest weapons and it just scorched the ground and it gave them more. That that's fine. It's just mm-hmm. honestly, it's it's the the creakiest parts of the script are in the first act where they're establishing the crisis. Well, not establish the crisis. The they're showing the survival and they have these people, um, you know, go rogue which kicks off the first set piece and then the in the end of yeah but you're right the the dragon combat seemed kind of dumb because they they act like that these dragons could be anywhere and they have to sneak around they have to live underground most of the time but then these dudes show up in like an M1 Abrams and some sort of attack helicopter mm-hmm. this attack helicopter flies up and like I just don't see how dragons don't take helicopters one of the most flimsy things in the air yeah. also one of the slowest things in the air um, I don't understand how that this would be the way to take down a dragon. That you have yeah. a guy jumping out and he's the bait, and then two other guys jump with net guns, and you take <laughs> the nets down, and then you harpoon a dragon when you get him onto the ground. Right. It it all seems a bit dubious. Because if that's true, then how in the world can like a sidewinder not take these fuckers out? Yeah. If a net and a harpoon can, then. <laughs> Then, then yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it can. It's got to be something about mobility. Like they are very agile, agile in the air yeah. as opposed to the helicopter. But which... they can't they can't sh- dodge a net two two nets that are going very subsonic speed. Yeah, no, a, a lot of questions about that. Uh, yeah. None of which have answers in the film. They just thought, it, hey, wouldn't this be cool? And all they do the other like the thing that drives me crazy about Battlestar, where it's like. The average angel lasts 14 seconds in his lifespan. Like, how the hell do you have any of these guys left, let alone one guy who's been doing it for eight years? Like, he's throwing the average way the fuck off. How in the world? Like, do some guys, like, die in a millisecond to to offset this guy's eight-year career? That's not how averages work. There's there's a lot of stuff like that where, like, they set up these completely Uh inconceivably short amount of time. So, like... The the end of the movie, they, they talk about, oh, it's been three months since a dragon attack, since mm-hmm. we've seen one. They must be gone forever, basically. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. they must be hibernating again. Uh, three months is not that long of a time. So you're implying here that they get attacked very often. Like, 
way more often than three months Mm -hmm. because now they're feeling safe after three months. So it must be like a weekly occurrence. How are any of them still alive? I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I think that they're really good at hiding at castle and and rigging it up to sustain th- like a dra- a full blown <laughs> dragon assault. Like they, for better or worse, the castle did survive a full on male dragon, big as bad as dragon assault, fairly it seemed, easily. It seemed to me like that was the first one that they really had to defend against. I think you're right because uh, this water system was brand new. Right. They, they, they at the beginning of the movie they say, oh, now we can spray 500 gallons a, a minute or whatever. Yeah. But they also have, like, it seems like that there's always more mouths to feed because people are having yeah. uh, lots of babies and, like, any refugee they t- try to take in. And um, I don't, I like I said. They've, I, got, they've got these lookout systems yeah. as well. Um, like a bird, like somehow this bird is the first one that's able to detect the dragon. And then they have, like, a Morse code system. And they have uh, Dr. Julian Bashir uh, monitoring, like, some kind of sonar radar system or just communications period. Yeah, but that system entirely failed them at the end of this movie. I don't yeah. understand ex- exactly how it failed them. Yeah, me either. Uh, but it did because you see a hilarious sight, which is a dragon sort of slinking up on this castle mm-hmm. and then looking right in the window yeah. and breathing fire onto Bashir. Gotcha. And it's like, <laughs> where was the lookout? Yeah. Well, you just wasn't expecting a dragon to belly crawl. I guess not. Commando crawl up to him. It's a smart dragon. So this is like a post-apocalyptic yeah. disaster movie yeah. type of thing. I'm going to name some movies. You tell me if this movie is better or worse than those movies. Okay. Uh, let's start with a pretty easy one. Uh, is, is it called Dante's Inferno or is it just called... Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak, yeah. Right. Pierce Brosnan volcano movie. That's the one where he paddles across an acidic lake. Yeah, his grandmother jumps in and pushes him to safety or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I think then... it's better. Okay. Okay. Okay, right. yeah. Uh, I will let's... not watch Dante's Peak again unless it was for like a ri- like a, a live watch riff track situation. Whereas, <laughs> right. you know, I, I could see myself wanting to watch Rain of Fire in five, six years. How about Tommy Lee Jones' Volcano? Uh, better. Both of the, right. the Volcano movies of the 90s, 2000s are, are terrible. Morgan Freeman's Deep Impact? Uh, I think that's better. Okay. It takes itself more seriously and more pl- and it's more plausible as a disaster film. All right, it has here, equally good performances and characters. Here's a softball. Independence Day. Uh, I mean, that this... Okay. Independence Day mm-hmm. is Reign of Fire with a little bit more time polishing the script. Yes, and a little more fun. It's a little... A little, yeah. See, yeah, you're right. It's 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 a lot more fun actually yeah. because this movie's aesthetic is very dour, but it allows it to have like, for example, there's nothing in Independence Day as cool or honestly as moving as Kristen Bale and Gerard Butler re uh, reenacting Star Wars <laughs> to entertain these children, like in a, uh-huh. in, in, a in a in a in a like morality play kind of way. <laughs> The Black Knight stares through the holes in his shiny mask, and he speaks words that burn into our hero's heart forever. I am your father. Because I had forgotten that scene existed, and I actually found myself kind of like really caught up in it. Like... Mm. Especially because they really sell it with the kids' reactions. Like, the fact that these kids who have been raised and they've never seen the internet, they've never seen television, they've never seen movies, this is, like, fucking amazing. Uh, and it just shows who, how fungible the human experience is. Like, we, like, like, 
I don't think our imaginations are being enhanced nor destroyed by these big blockbuster movie kind of things, but it is kind of amazing that two guys in a hokey costume reciting some lines can essentially get you 99% of the effect of James Earl Jones voicing a six and a half foot tall bodybuilder in a badass space wizard costume (laughs) on a million dollar set. Sure. You know, like that's, I I thought that was, that was, that was really cool. And independence day doesn't really have anything, you know, like, like even when they're killed, like, you know, uh, they're killing off first ladies and endangering dogs. Like they're, they're, they're these cheap theatrics that there's nothing that really kind of uh, gets to the human condition like that because it just doesn't take yeah. itself as seriously. You mean the party on the rooftop doesn't speak <laughs> to the human condition? Well, it does a bit. It does a bit, but not in any way that's uplifting or to teenagers informative. trying to get laid in the desert on the last day. Uh, that does definitely speak to the human <laughs> condition. Okay, all right, yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of the children, I liked some of the world building around them because they mm-hmm. had this mantra. That they were taught, like, what do we do right. when we when we wake? Eagle on this side. What do we do when we sleep? Keep one eye on the sky. What do we do when we see him? Dig hard, dig deep, deep, run for shelter, and never look back. They're teaching this new generation how to live, yeah, and sort of ingraining it in them, so it will be that much easier for them. Uh, when they grow up, which because they'll it, already just have an intuitive understanding of what to do. Yeah, which already makes it automatically more interesting than like nine seasons of The Walking Dead, right? Because like right. this, this really did show a society that's not debating about how things. This is just how the world is, and this is how we got to survive. Yeah, and everyone has to be on this page. Um, I I saw something interesting that that made me smile when I think about like Christian Bale and how seriously he takes himself. It's so funny because like. Kristen Bale is kind of like the pop success version of Daniel Day-Lewis. Hmm. Um, so apparently Kristen okay. Bale, he read the script and, you know, the world building went on and like the fact there's food shortages and he's like, well, these people would be like scrawny and wiry and, and scrappy. So he lost a ton of weight. He went from, and this is kind of the story of his life. He went from American Psycho where Bateman, among other things, was fucking in perfect human condition, mm-hmm. um, really built and jacked. Then he lost a bunch of weight coming into this movie, but when Matthew McConaughey came in for like some dress rehearsals and I guess some some read throughs and some some pre- preliminary pre shooting work, he came in like Matthew McConaughey in this movie. He is just really bulky and heavy and muscular. And Christian Bale also knew in the script that he has to fight this man. <laughs> and through, like, I guess, a, okay. I, I don't know how much of it is commitment to art and how much of it is, like, no fucking way. Vanity. Surf, <laughs> stoner surfer boy going to going to outflex me. But he, like, I guess in eight weeks, put on all of that, that, that lean muscle mass <laughs> just so he could punch Matthew McConaughey in the face. Todd Gerard Butler, everything he knows. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh so I that's Christian Bale is such an interesting guy because I think he is legitimately great actor. Yeah. And he's been doing it his, his whole life. Um, but he does a lot of like schlocky stuff or I mean, I don't know, like Christopher Nolan's Batman's not schlocky, but superhero films, for whatever reason, culturally are are, are not taken with the seriousness. So, because they're not... I mean, Batman's inherently ridiculous. Right. So you have to approach it with that to actually have it takes... The, the, for it to kind of, like, take on its, you know, gothic grandeur. You have to, like, excuse a bunch of stupid shit to sort to have it work on its, myth, its, its mythological level. Mm-hmm. 
but it's 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 kind of weird because I it's, it's hard thinking of other. I'm thinking like Harrison Ford is another guy who's done a lot of pop stuff, and is another guy who. I mean, I guess he's done a couple things like Witness and uh, Fugitive. The Fugitive, but the Fugitive is not high art. No, no, no. It's a definite. It's definitely a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Christian Bale kind of tries to straddle that uh, art. You know, he does the Machinist. He does uh, uh, what else has he done? American Psycho. He does. Although is, is American Psycho what you call a serious art film? Uh, yeah, it's pretty popping sensibility so. though. It is certainly. I mean, Huey Lewis is pop as fuck. Yeah. So, but but I think it's using that to to comment on society, right? Uh, and so I would call it more. You know, it has it has something to say about yeah. culture. Yeah. Whereas I I don't know that a lot of you know Batman movies have something to say about culture. It's um. So I guess they had like maybe hopes or plans for this to be a sequel. Uh, I saw an interview that uh, Christian Bale was talking to the the young man that he is kind of like mentoring throughout this film, and he's saying mm-hmm. that like, hey, if they if they do the sequel, like you'd be a good star for that because like it'd be a nice little handoff. But this movie is seen as a commercial failure. It cost I think sixty million to make and only made eighty million worldwide. Um, okay, and I was one of the ones saw I saw this fucking movie on opening night. Wow, I was super excited. I thought this the the trailers to this movie looked fucking amazing, as you can imagine they would. Um, and I remember being kind of like disappointed, but not fully, because there was a lot of awesome scenes. And if anything, I was just amazed at how how well the thing held together. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a pretty good movie. Um, I, there are a lot of like little things that, as I dug into them more, I kind of understood better. Uh, they don't they don't do a lot of direct world building aside from that little montage that we get between uh, I, th- I think it's like 2002 or 2006 or something right. and, and 2020. Uh, but, but in that montage, it's interesting to me that like th- the apocalypse, the dragon apocalypse must be either a very slow motion apocalypse or it's, they said it took years for the world to fall. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they said in the years, in the beginning, in the years, in the beginning, uh, the, the early years, like when it was very chaotic, chaotic, and people yeah. just running for their lives. No, I, I was shocked to see the Time put out a magazine related to the the fall of the world here, with like Buckingham Palace completely destroyed, uh, in rubble, and time. It must have hit like, you know, two days before their deadlines, mm-hmm. and they scrambled and were like, "Oh shit, scrap that article about." Uh, Bush, we're actually going to run this thing about the dragons fucking everything. Mm-hmm. It came out two days later, and the world was done. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always thought that was funny. It's like, what is the last newspaper before the apocalypse? Well, well that's my point. Like, they shouldn't have done a periodical. They should have done a newspaper, right? Yeah, like, uh, this <laughs> is, like, uh, the it, end is here. If it hits at the beginning of the, the cycle, they're never going to get that right. published. Yeah, who did the glossy, long-form piece <laughs> on the dragon uh, yeah. apocalypse? The really hard hitting investigative journalism. Although I, I would, I'll, I'll grant you this. I bet it took a while for the the dragons to get across the ocean. Yeah, you know, like going to yeah, the Americas or yeah, like I, I bet that, and especially since like there's nothing, there's no dust or ash for them to eat over the Atlantic. You know, they'd have to go up through like Greenland and Iceland, and mm. you know, like like go up, go go north the to go to go west i guess um 
So I, maybe it did. Maybe it would. And then you've got like, I, I, I bet, I wonder if like you're supposed to understand that the nukes and stuff like slowed them down or at least killed a bunch of them. And yeah, but they're always able to re respawn and, and rebuild with the one fucking man, <laughs> the one fucking male dragon who was busy. Oh, yeah. Real busy. Busy as a one-dicked dragon in a impregnate every dra- female dragon in the world contest. They, they, they made it seem like he was just crop dusting the females, right? With, with sperm, like right, like, like salmon, like fish, yeah, yeah, yeah like the, you just lay a bunch of eggs and you just, psh. yeah, that's gross. Can you imagine being like in downtown London scavenging on the day where he schlacks the world with dragon sperm? Hey, don't don't kink shame. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. There's a lot of people spend a lot of money at Bad Dragon that would. <laughs> would, would would trade their lives for that experience oh um, oh i meant to talk about this magic hour oh yes uh, so, so we talked about what it does to the dragon's vision but think about this in terms of hollywood mm. writing a script where the achilles heel of the big bad is the magic hour mm-hmm. which to me is so it like is self, funny self aggrandizing yeah of hollywood to do that yeah it's like, oh, what can we use to save the world? I know this insider Hollywood term that everybody talks about. Yeah. Silly. Yeah, like, and it's also the most expensive time to shoot, but it's when the light's the most beautiful. And every, uh-huh. yeah, it, 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 it did feel like a very screenwriter thing to come up with. And it's, it's actually a kind of cool idea that, like, at the dawn and, like, when the light's flat and there's some kind of advantage, but they poorly visualized it and didn't ever felt like it was an actual issue at the end and there's also a couple other dumb things like they land right outside the dragon dome and they're like oh i can't believe no we weren't spotted and they they literally walk 50 feet from their helicopter stick their head over a berm and a million dragons take to the sky and the male then immediately spots them yeah like what the fuck man like this loud ass helicopter have you have you ever had been snuck up on by a helicopter twice actually <laughs> yeah. it doesn't happen like no, it doesn't I, maybe the magic hour clogs their ears too yeah it's like you know when you turn down the music when you're trying to find a house address because you can't do two things at once maybe it's 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 the same thing with dragons only in reverse they have to turn their ears down so they can see in, in magic magic hour amplify their sight yeah i don't know um I do want to talk about some other fun cameos. There was Isabella Skorupko, mm, yeah. who is the first Bond, the first of the good Bond girls in the Pierce Bronson run. She Gold was in Goldeneye. Yep. She was in here as the pilot of the helicopter. That was pretty cool. Um, Alice Kriege, I think is how you pronounce her name. It might be Kriege. Kriege. Uh, she is the uh, Christian Bale's mom in the beginning of the movie, and you might recognize her as the Borg Queen. Oh, I actually didn't recognize her because she's heavily made up yeah. as the Borg Queen. Yeah, I, I, and she's I, covered in d- dragon mining dust. Dragon mining this. dust. Yeah, they they're they're delving deep for them dragons, huh? Uh, so yeah, there's quite a few kind of uh, nerd. I, I guess while we're referencing Alexander Sadiq, as we already mentioned, yeah, Doctor Bashir from Deep Space Nine, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're on the topic of Quinn's mom. Let's explore that a little bit more because I feel like that's one of the places where they sort of tried and failed with this movie. Yeah. Um, They make this connection, which seems highly coincidental, of him, Quinn, being the first person to see the dragons Mm -hmm. and also somehow the best equipped to deal with them and ultimately kill the male and save everyone. Yeah. And it feels just a little too coincidental for me. Yeah. And they also don't do enough with the pathos that this kid might have 
given that his mother was slayed at the hand of the first dragon. Well, I th- okay, so here's where I think the five screenwriters come in, because his motivations are kind of all over the place. Yeah. I mean, his mother's scolding him for being, like, not taking schooling seriously, and now he's lost a scholarship that's going to cost a family $3,000 every quarter or whatever. None and, of that matters. And she's, and she's but, but I think you're supposed to understand that, like, this, you not living up to your potential and then seeing your mom die in front of you, like, this, now he's, like, ultra-responsible, and he's ultra-everything for the common good, and they're supposed to be formative, but it doesn't really track. No. It doesn't really track. They don't do enough with it. There's no reason that the boy that made first contact with the dragons has to be the last bastion of humanity in the the, the, the British Isles. Like, it's... No, honestly, I think they should have killed the boy at the beginning of the the movie they didn't even and need set... to be a boy there could just be workers and it's just a five minute like introduction of the world and then we just see yeah. 20 years later here's a group of humanity that's surviving um yeah it's too cute it's it's not as impactful like to let this boy live and then ultimately be the hero that slays the dragons well, like but they didn't do anything else like there's like hints that he's got a problem with authority there's hints of him like having uh, trouble following instruction and like fitting in but like and maybe they could have turned that into, like, why he had to fight with Matthew McConaughey or why he butted heads. But, again, none of it really tracks. No. And the the other shocking thing to me during this movie uh, is the other angle in which I think they failed mostly is the romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. T- tell me... Can you, name, can you name a single romantic relationship from this romantic. movie? I didn't think there was a romantic. So I, there, I actually, is. Oh, there is. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, okay. So there's the one kid... Who his dad? Uh, there's one kid that his dad got him to get out of bed, and his girlfriend was right. <laughs> okay, so that's an implied romantic relationship. There's I think there's Ger- a couple in bed. Gerard Butler is is making time with a blonde in the depths of the castle at one point. Oh, is he? Is there like you're I not that. you're not implying that Quinn and uh, uh, what what's the the angel driver, the uh, helicopter driver? Alexandra is that her name no nah, Alex I think they, don't they call her Alex okay Alex I yeah. don't know fuck it I uh, think so the 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 Bond girl uh, uh do you think do you think that they were supposed to be in love because I didn't get they that. are so at the end of the movie they walk off into the sunset holding hands uh but it struck me while huh. I was watching this movie up until that point there's not a single damn actual romantic relationship there's no flirting there's no love making scene there's no mm-hmm. kissing there's no anything romantic until that final scene i think they should have left the final scene out because i agree i, I actually I agree. thought that christian bale's character through this movie would not be the type that would have any room for some sort of love affair and, and he's I, too busy being the 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 glue that holds the fabric together yeah no i'm with you i think that was kind of an afterthought by them saying well we've got this man and we've got this woman see, and right. let's just put them together at the end because that's happy right you know what and it's, the thing is is like in the last decade, I think Hollywood has tried hard to not do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember when the first, uh, uh, funny enough, Pacific Rim stood out to me as like, there's two young, attractive leads. And by the laws of Hollywood, they should start showing attraction to each other. But they never did. The, like the, the, the yeah. man and woman in that film that like are joined together and fighting. It's just a completely platonic relationship um or maybe even a brother sister relationship given their relationship with striker but i and i'm like i i kind of like that more and more that they're just not forcing that together and you can kind of say that about the new star wars too new, with yes. ray 
Yeah, uh, they're, they're, Finn, like I think that's great to teach little little boys and girls that you don't have to couple up, right? Like you, that's that's an option if mm-hmm. both people are f- for it and, and it makes sense. But you, you don't like if you get into a re- you get in a situation where you're thrown together another attractive person, you don't have to bone. You don't have to. You can keep you it can, professional. You don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> and so, this movie very much felt like at the end it had to. And I, there again, there's the six, when, there's when, the five screenwriters because somebody was yeah. kind of like, well, do, you, you, do, if, if the guy doesn't get the girl, then how do you even know he won? <laughs> right. You know. But but you had this perfect opportunity with this kid, right? This three year old that he found and raised right. and kept safe. He he kind of flips the keys to the the kingdom over to that kid when mm-hmm. he goes off to fight the male dragon mm-hmm. but then it seems like he comes back and takes the keys again right. and says hey this is actually my car right uh you just borrowed it uh-huh. Th- they had an opportunity there to make that relationship the father-son thing echo the mother-son thing that mm-hmm. they had in the beginning if they had done a little more building that yeah and you're right they just don't go for it and they take the lazy way out at the end yeah there's a couple other things i saw saw that like they had the bad luck to be filming this on location where i think this is in ireland where the dragons actually did come out of the cave worse hoof and mouth disease had erupted in this country for like the first time in 60 years oh, and shit. it was like costing millions and millions of dollars and it was like and they were filming in this rural area where it was like a hotbed and like you they they couldn't travel and there's a lot of restrictions on how they filmed and it's a big hassle so like i think that was a hardship that the film faced and then just uh the, this almost everything wrong like the script is what it's script what it is and i don't think the actors nor directors did the script uh dirty like no. i think it, no. it, it it it's just the script itself wasn't engineered to hold the weight of what it had to like it's a five yeah. ton bridge and you just ran a 30 ton f- flatbed over it and uh, it started uh, to buckle an abrams yeah didn't didn't quite didn't quite bu- didn't quite collapse but it definitely buckled under the weight and... and the actors are doing their damnedest like there's that christian bale scene where quinn is trying to keep the kids calm mm-hmm. uh once we know the mantra and he's trying to repeat it right and he can't get it well, out then, but all the other and then yeah. this this other woman behind him has to pick it up for him as yeah. he kind of has a little breakdown and i thought that was a powerful moment yeah and they don't do enough with those moments or those actors yeah no i thought that they're um and there's a lot of things where man if they were given better material like i was thinking like um i would have rather have sat in like a big council debate about whether they should harvest things right now um mm, yeah. and seen those guys like do a council of Elrond style like you know and then 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 unified like maybe bale doesn't think it's right but the whole settlement yeah you know it's like they're hungry and their kids are dying and you know he thinks it's a bad idea but what is one like all the interesting things were cut out in favor of the stupid just just a stupid stupid daylight save because like that's the thing what are these guys in one jeep going to do uh-huh. pick a bushel of tomatoes yay we're saved like what the fuck and it made it yeah. feel like fundamentally more selfish like, oh, because right, these guys are just, like, st- shoving their gobs full of tomatoes as they're picking them. I, I don't and know. I feel like they lose the plot on the the dire straits that they're in here. Mm-hmm. Like, once Fuckface McGee, I think his name's, like, Eddie or something, goes mm-hmm. out to those fields. Right. And the dragon burns up, I don't know how much of their crop, but more than I, they, they were going to pick. Half. Like more they, more they, than they could pick, yeah, I guarantee yeah, yeah. that. They kind of drop the the problem here. The main problem for this community is now they have no food. Yeah. And they can't replant for the next year. They are going to starve to death here. And they don't actually acknowledge that because, you know, a dragon rolls in. Uh, Matthew McConaughey rolls up. 
and they kind of get sidetracked. But then Matthew McConaughey goes away, yeah. and they never readdress that issue. But it's it's all this. It felt like there's like three days elapsed from the time Matthew McConaughey, and they weren't going to run out of food like tomorrow. So like I think. I, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I think they should because, okay. like, when are they going to be like the second Matthew McConaughey rolls out? And also, he took a bunch yeah. of their dudes with him too, right? Get, get back to business. So there's, there's less. There's less. No, he took six feed. dudes with him. Was it only six? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's he the sixth strongest, so maybe yeah, they yeah. eat the most. But yeah, they they eat six times the food. So there's yeah, 36 true. people walking out the door. 36 mouths you don't have to feed. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Matthew McConaughey is quite cut out to be this kind of action hero. Um, he is, I thought he's a badass as, as Rust Cole in True Detective, a kind of like a wiry guy that'll take you by surprise and he's, he's cunning and, uh, kind of ruthless as a beefcake. There's something about his eyes. His eyes are t- way too teddy bear to be this kind of like <laughs> head shaved, fine sheen of motor oil all over his body tribal dragon tattoos like he's trying to be something he he other than the bomber jacket he looks like he stumbled off the set for of vikings okay yeah and i just there, there's something there's, there's he's just a little bit too stoner poet in the eyeballs man to pull that off yeah. you'd be like elijah woods trying to roll that hard <laughs> no man i'm you not can, buying it you can you can i've i've seen you be scary in sin sin city i'm not saying mm-hmm. you cannot intimidate people you just can't intimidate people this way right yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Um, Christian Bale, I think, though, is well cast in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's about perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he, he plays like he's smart. He plays like he's tough. He plays mm-hmm. like he could. He's, like he's uh, conflicted. He's, but he's also got leadership qualities. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I thought he he elevated the work. I thought Gerard Butler as his number two was really, uh, really good, too. It's too bad. It works better than you think a dragon-based apocalyptic film would work, but... Mm-hmm. Boy, it's so close. It's yeah. so close to being tightened down here and there and, and being like an independence level day or even maybe a little bit better. Uh, but they didn't. So that's the thing about these schlocky uh, fantasy films is a lot of times they just are tempted to not sweat the details. 